Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Lucky Land Slots. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On this day, December 6, 2021, the year of our Lord, like Joshua Rosa would say, a few years ago, a few decades ago, I think, Patrick Waugh got traded, so we're going to be celebrating that today. But how about we celebrate something else? The return of Puck and Roll! Let's do it, boys! Are you ready for a good team? Another episode, Patrick Lorty, you're here hosting this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful table of comrades. Joshua Rosa, Sebastian High, Scott Cowan, and we got the one and only, the man we call Chips as well, joining us. Chris Pinayi, right here from Vancouver, big Canucks fan, personal friend of mine here to visit uh, Montreal. He's going to be joining us a little later to talk about, well, the mayhem that's going on in Vancouver, which is very similar to what is going on in Montreal. In case uh, you people have been living under a rock for the last uh, month or so, the Canadians are changing face. Bergie is gone. Trevor Timmons is gone. Paul Wilson is gone. Uh, Jose Theodore has called him the modern day three amigos, apparently, saying, uh, yeah, they were quite uh, the crew here. And uh, speaking of crew, oh, man, you know what? I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to go eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Scott Cowan, you're going to be the first up. I want you to tell us your thoughts on the current situation of the Montreal Canadiens hiring Jeff Gordon as uh, vice, executive vice president of hockey operations. How is that going to affect us? And the fact that, hey, we got an Anglo working in, an, in the uh, front office. So that's uh, pretty dope. So uh, lead the way, my friend. Let's, uh, let's start the show with you. What's up? Yeah, well, first, I just wanted to say it's great to be back, Patrick, and it's great to be back with all of you, of course, contributing to puck and roll. But yeah, I mean, the Canadians have definitely cleaned house quite a bit over the past few weeks, and it's something that was expected. It's something that, we, that probably should have happened quite a long time ago, but finally it's here, and Jeff Gordon now has a new toy to play with, and it's the Montreal Canadiens. Now, I'm not too against having an angle GM, honestly, for the future, as opposed to what some of the French media has been saying recently, but we'll skip, we'll skip over that for now. And I am interested to see who the next GM will be, uh, will be to sort of work underneath Gordon or as some people have been speculating to just bespeak what Gordon wants to do and what trades he wants to bring on and stuff like that. In my own mind right now, I think Daniel Briere is the front runner for the job, but it will, it'll, will, it will remain to be seen who will uh, be up next. 
Yeah, there's a lot of candidates that's being uh, presented on the list. I mean, there's, uh, yeah, Mathieu Dash is one of them, Daniel Briere. Uh, of course, Patrick Roy has been mentioned in even the press conference. Uh, everyone is like, well, what about Patrick? And I read Jeff Gordon saying something like, I heard of him. Right. So that was that was pretty interesting. There's a couple of names though that got thrown into left field because Joe Gordon did say that anyone is up for play, and that could be an agent as well. Now, Kent Hughes has yes. been mentioned as a candidate, and of course, the French media are now saying Emily Castonguay is also a candidate. For those who don't know, she's uh, Alexis Lafreniere's uh, agent, very new to the game, so you know, doubtful, but you never know. Uh, Sebastian, do you know anything about Hughes at all, or is this another uh, situation where Google saves our ass? <laughs> um, okay, so I'm less familiar with Hughes than I am with Castonguay, like. Uh... Like Castonguay, she I, I believe she only became like a certified agent in 2017. So very, very new to the game, but uh, she has a law degree. Uh, so like it, it would be interesting because e- hiring either her or Hughes, because both are player agents right now, right? Like uh, Hughes is an agent of uh, Chris Letang, uh, I, I believe um, other Pittsburgh defensemen that they got from Florida. What's his name? Matheson. Yeah. yeah so, Matheson. He's so, also, so, and he's also so Patrice. Was. He's also Bergeron's uh, agent as well. Yeah. Bergeron as well. Right. So you have some big names there. Um, and hiring either one of them to be the GM would be really interesting because it would be splitting like uh, the responsibilities very clearly between Gordon and the GM, where the GM would really be taking on the business side of things. Right. It would, it would be like, again, agents, right. Like they're negotiators, like that is their thing. And it would kind of leave Gordon to do more of like the trading and, and like the, the more hockey operations stuff and leaving the business side to the GM, which would be interesting because like you have like two people that complement each other pretty closely. Another big candidate would be uh, Martin Madden Jr. And the interesting thing about hiring him would be that his strengths are also like drafting, developing, which are also Jeff Gorton's. So you kind of have to look, do you want to have two people with similar strengths or do you want people that complement each other in different ways, which would be interesting either way. But I think at this point, it's too early to call and to like make any big predictions. I think my personal favorite would be Metzger Dash, because honestly, if you're, if, if a breeze boy thinks that like you're like, good enough to basically be your his protege protege that's someone i want on my team right like i think i think the bottom line is that it's gonna it's gonna come down to presentation more than anything to to begin with because uh for those who have uh watched the press conference with uh jeff gordon introducing himself one of the first things that he said was that he's looking for a gm that's gonna be thinking outside the box in the sense that you know he wants a different perspective from his own vision so someone that yeah like like sebastian just said that compliments him especially when it comes to um the view of the game because one of the first things that he said is that we need to build an an analytics program which sebastian that got me so excited (laughs) like like when i was listening to the press conference like i let out an audible cheer because this team like Every single time that Marc Bergeret mentioned analytics, he always added the caveat of it's only just a tool, right? Everyone knows analytics are just a tool. No one's just going to build a team purely love by it, analytics. Love it or hate it, analytics is just part of the game. It's, you know, it's it, part it, of it the is game. what it is. It's, exactly. It's, and, and like the thing is, it's, it's, it's only a representation of what happens on the ice, just like looking at the game. It's just different ways of looking at the game in the end. And in my opinion, the more ways of looking at the game that you can like analyze, the better. Well, to your point, though, Sebastian, there are yeah. teams that haven't built on analytics, but then the, that led to Vegas getting all these amazing players because all these analytics-based GMs got rid of a bunch of players because of that same thing. And I'll give what you said. Analytics is a very I mean, useful tool, but it has to like, work in tandem with the way we've learned how to manage hockey over the decades and things like that. I think this is a bigger argument than we can really cover in, in this sure. because we have, we have so much more to talk about. <laughs> I, 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 I think just like like my vision of it is that like, like there are very few like purely analytics-based teams in the league, no, right? Like I, totally. I think actually there are none, right? But like Colorado is one. Like they, they plucked Devin Tays for two second round picks from the New York, the New York Islanders because analytically he was one of the 10 best defensemen in the league. And look at what, what he's doing this season. He's over a point a game. He's been terrific defensively, and he's putting up offensive numbers in a good offensive system. Like, I don't know. I, I think Colorado is a really good example of 
how to do analytics well. <laughs> but again, th there are different ways of doing it. I'm just happy that we're going to implement analytics. The yeah, first time just the material. fact that we have that exactly and an, an, an actual implementation and actually being able to use every single resource imaginable in order to achieve success. And another part is also finally developing the player development program for crying out loud, you know, like our draft has been so ridiculously bad you know for the last i don't know what is it like 20 like 50 years that trevor timmons was with west i don't remember anyways but um longer than even older <laughs> oh my goodness yeah exactly you know man told me to wear a suit apparently so anyways <laughs> josh i want to ask you i want to ask you something i mean before we get into uh, too too far into who should be the next gm and everything um you posted uh, an interesting article um, on your side gig uh, about grading Mark Beresovain's tenure with uh, the team. I mean, it wasn't all bad, right? I mean, the man is a master of trades and everything. He has some good and some bad. Like, give us your opinion. Like, you know, grade us Mark Beresovain's tenure, like tenure, tenure in Montreal. Yeah, it's it's really a roller coaster. You can't really say one way or another if it was great or bad. I think history is going to come down harder on him than he really deserves to be seen as he made some really great moves the trade to bring in Dino Romano for Fleischman and uh, Dale Weiss was amazing there's the trade for Suzuki and Tatar <laughs> it's he really got brought down by the drafting by Trevor Timmons and I'm sure he had a hand in it as well that he just couldn't get the players and just ended up spinning tires most of the time. You see a lot of lab moves. Montreal never really became a full contender for even a division title or the President's Trophy or Conference title or Stanley Cup contenders. They always, as a Bergevin team, hovered right around the playoff bubble. It was always make playoffs and see what happens and you never really got the huge aspiration to be anything more than that yeah even even when 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 he brought michel terrier in right there was like a couple of years like yeah we won the division we got 100 points but then it was like but then what you yeah, know exactly. we got into the we got into the playoffs like we're division winners we get into the playoffs and we're the underdogs like that does, that's not supposed to happen. We weren't the underdogs until Chris Kreider decided to take up price, and then we were the underdogs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we're sucker for memories, huh, Scott? Yeah, but apparently we are. <laughs> a lot of memories to bring up right now. Well, it's the only thing we've got. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to ask a question to our special guest, Mr. Chips, uh, who is living something very similar than we are right now because his boys is struggling mightily out of uh, the season. And now Travis Green got fired, got replaced by Bruce Boudreaux. Scott Walker, by the way, is a assistant coach. Is a co That's kind of cool, actually. But now they are, they're also with no general manager because Jim Benning got fired, as well as the, the rest of the front office. And obviously, it took about five seconds after the poor guy got fired that now there's rumors that Mark Bergevin is going to go into Vancouver. And there were rumors in the past that Bergevin was going to be approached by the Canucks and also, he's been rumored with, you know, Los Angeles and Anaheim. But, dude, I just want to know your opinion. Like, how would you feel if you woke up tomorrow morning and Marc Bergevin was general manager of the Vancouver Canucks? Can I be honest with you for a sec? How should I feel about this? I have no idea, man. I have absolutely <laughs> no idea. I, I, I know a few things about Marc Bergevin, that he's a pretty decent uh, player developer, uh, player development type GM. Uh, but again, like he, he's had his, his tenure in the league for a long time now. And I think in terms of the Canucks, we need somebody who has that experience. And Jim Benning, uh, you know, started off as an AGM in Boston, right? Uh, yeah, I, I have literally no opinion on this. I hope it doesn't happen because of what happened in, uh, in Montreal. But again, what do you think, Patty? Don't call me Patty. <laughs> <laughs> okay well first things first uh player development bergeron sucked 
uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna straight up say it. And when it comes to development, he's been criticized yeah. hardcore. I mean, it was just awfully. It's his biggest fault, maybe. Yeah, it's probably his biggest fault. But like, he's great with veterans, but he's terrible with rookies for some reason. Well, I think a really exactly. good thing that brought that up, Patrick, though, was actually to really bring a quick point here was when Zach Fukali made his NHL debut. It oh, brought back yes. to a lot of the like just the exact issues that Bridgman has been experiencing. Because everyone yeah. thought, where the hell has this guy been? Where's yeah. this guy been all this time? You know. So. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, yes, Mark Bergevin and uh, Joshua mentioned this uh, even even in the past and everything. He's a master at trades. He has won more trades than I have ever seen any other GM win. Uh, but then when it comes to the rest, free agency and even, you know, like drafting, well, then that's just a whole other story. So his, you know, his potential A grade gets thrown down to at least a C C minus and everything. I don't, I don't think I'm going to, I'm going to say he's an F like a lot of like, you know, fans are and everything. He still did a decent job with the 10 years he was there, but now, you know what? It's in the past. We got Jeff Gordon coming in, which I honestly, I was very excited about other than the fact that we finally hired someone who was an anglophone, um, you know, but Hey, I mean, he explained what his role was going to be. He was going to be the liaison really with the hockey operations department. And Josh, you, uh, you actually, you dug in a little, quite a bit into his bio and you found out about you know some interesting facts about him especially during his time in boston because this is a guy who brought in some big time players we're talking guys like he's he was part of the phil kessel trade he's the guy who brought in tuka rask am i correct yeah he basically built one of the most <laughs> uh consistent great hockey teams of the last decade or so he brought in Tuka Rask trading away Andrew Raycroft to all the Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> fans' delight. Yeah. He traded a couple of picks in order to move up to draft Brad Marchand in that same draft. And he was the one that saw Dan O'Chara into Boston. Oh, right. He's the one who brought him. Yes, it's true. And Mark Savard. Yeah, so and Mark Savard. And Mark Savard. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's three completely huge major parts of one of the most consistent teams in the NHL for the past decade, almost two decades now. And that's solely on the back of him. Everyone's talking about his time in New York, which is very interesting. And they've got a great, interesting, exciting young team up there. But what he did in Boston is about as good as anyone could do as a general manager. Absolutely. And then he, then getting the job as a GM in New York and getting guys like adam fox uh, you know jacob truba was also his work the uh though adam fox there is the big caveat of adam fox saying i'm only playing with the new york rangers oh and yeah i'm being forced into it right i know that but was, still less gore i mean it's more like he was he was a very highly talented prospect okay, at that point okay. and it's like okay. you can get him for, for like a second and a third or two Fine. seconds sebastian how's that how's this then he's responsible he's responsible for artemi panarin how's that Panarin also just wanted to play in New York. Oh, for crying out loud. You know what? He was but, in okay. Boston. We're, we're, we're out, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I liked him in New York. Like, like I think like uh, trading up to, to draft yeah. Keandre Miller was a phenomenal thing, right? He got underrated, uh, he, yeah. He he drafted Niels Lundqvist, who is looking really good. Uh he, he traded up for Brian Schneider, which was not the move that I liked at the time, but, but Schneider's he's looking is a pretty good now. Very talented he's Very he's, talented. He's, yeah. he's looking very good now, right? And yeah. Yeah, like, like he he's pretty solid overall. And I think the most important I, thing to remember yeah. though is that he brought the Rangers back to being the, what they were in the seventies, that high flying, high offensive, yeah. very energetic team, like the Ron Dugays and the the Don Murdochs and all that kind of stuff. And it's nice to see them being back to being that kind of Rangers team because they're just fun to watch again. So it's important. Yeah, we're, it, it's we're, refreshing we're, to have someone at the helm who realizes that at the league is built on speed and skill. Exactly. exactly. We're finally removed from the Mark Missy era, right, Chips? Ouch! <laughs> we're, we're, we're removing the Bobby Holik air is what we're removing. Yeah, and I don't mention Mark Messi in the in front of a Canucks fan. I'll tell you that oh, course, I'm yeah. getting some ugly looks from here. <laughs> Guys, the big question. You know what? You, all of you, you know, we're living in a, in, a, in an alternate universe. You've been named general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, and now you're being asked the big question: Do you blow it up? Would you retool? Kaboom. Kaboom. Yeah. yeah. I, what? Look, what you, you cue yeah. the Wiley Coyote, Coyote explosion. Kaboom. Just blow it all up. 
Oh, what about a big kaboom, Joshua? <laughs> I'd love to blow it up. I don't know if I'd be allowed to. That's the that's the big problem with being GM in Montreal is that you kind of have to be good, at least to keep your job. I, mean, I I don't I don't really agree because <sighs> most fans kind of want to rebuild at this point. Like all the Twitter polls I see, it's like ninety percent people that want a rebuild, right? Like fans are clamoring for it. I feel like it's more. Like, especially if you're a new GM coming in, you have immediate job security. Like, you're, you're not getting fired within the first year or two years, right? Like, mm. like you, you have job security for a little bit of time. And, yeah, I, I, think, I think the bigger issue with doing a rebuild is in order to fully do it, you well, kind of need to, need to trade Carey Price. And you can't trade Carey Price unless he wants to be traded. And also, if you can take a bit of that salary too, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. no, no, it, it, it's the salary. It's, but, like, before even the salary, it's, like, if he wants to stay... He's staying, right? There's like, a lot of intangibles and price that come into play because price is a larger than life player in a lot of ways Usually. due to that contract sure. and his skill set. Like, I think that that's a bigger, like, maybe like stumbling block than like the the whole thing of like fans not accepting a rebuild. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. I would, yeah, I would. Is there even a market for a 34 year old injury prone goaltender who has Edmonton. one, two, three? Edmonton. I'm oh, yeah? screaming Edmonton. For four years at 10.5 mil, you want him? You, you, retain. Ha- you can have him. You retain. You, you, you retain. You can have bit. him, my friend. You I know, the main issue, though, with price mainly is that the NHL <laughs> isn't in an era where it's a one goalie system. Two goalie it's systems not. are the future of the NHL. Even if you look at Edmonton, Stuart Skinner and has, been has been playing fantastic as a backup option. And Miko Koskinen's winning games, so they have their two goalie system for now, and they're going to run with it. Yeah, even, exactly. even Minnesota, Cam Talbot has a 2.70 goals against average, but he's winning games. That's all yeah. they really care about at this yeah. point. So. I mean, there's, there's the anomalies like, you know, Andre Vasilevsky and everything, but he's basically the Michelin man, so... You know, or as Chips yeah. brought up, I mean, Bobrovsky and Knight in Florida is another great example. Sergey Bobrovsky finally playing up to that massive contract that the Panthers yep. gave him and showcasing he can be a starting goalie again. He's back on the force, Bobrovsky. Yeah, Bobrovsky. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know what? Um, I'm not part of that 90%. Like, I don't want the big kaboom. Like, in a way, like, yes, I do agree that, you know, there are contracts that need to go. I mean, I'm one of the guy, and my wife is going to hate me for saying this because she's such a fan. I think Brendan Gallagher needs to go. You know, that, that's that, one of the contracts. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me being like, he's the heart and soul of the team, yada, yada, yada. But I mean, this, I don't know. I mean, like, this is a con, him, uh, you know, Tyler Toffoli, my, you know, Mike Hoffman. Like, these are guys that we, we have too many players that just look Josh Anderson. Because well, you can get, work you hard get a work. lot from Josh Anderson. You can get a lot from Josh Anderson, but you only you only do it if you're willing to rebuild. Like, you don't, like, if you're we're looking at big salaries, I'm thinking Gallagher, I'm thinking Price. You know, you could even, um, oh, heck, you could even trade Shea Weber for that matter because he's probably going to get fetched maybe a second round pick out of out a bottom feeding team who wants to hit the yeah, floor cap, you know, like Arizona or something. If, if of course, retirement is, you know, is the way to go. But I mean, there is not that many, there's not that many holes on paper, you know, it's like, yeah, you're like, you know, we like, if everyone is, is healthy, of course, right now it's, it's an absolute disaster. It's a tire fire now with Toffoli that's actually out for the next six weeks with hand, with a hand injury. Um, you know, everyone is playing injured. Edmondson got a setback for another couple of weeks. He was supposed to be back since this week, but that's not happening. Price is not going to play until next year. You know, my, my next year as in 2022, but this season we have, we don't know. So, I mean, okay, we could write this season off, but going forward, I mean, why not try to get a guy like Matthias Ekholm on defense to try to fill in that gap that Ben Sherratt is going to leave because Sherratt, yes, he's going to leave at the at trade deadline. And yes, Sebastian has been saying it since training camp. He's going to fetch us a first round pick, you know? So more. like you you can't get those parallel like fills and everything and actually try to build upon that at least for another year. But I mean... But leading into those like fills that you were talking about, Patrick, and filling yeah. holding the lineup, I think there's something that could be said about the Habs rebranding themselves as a team and focusing on this underdog mentality that they've been with, stuck with for so long. Mm. A lot of really good NHL teams this season have rebranded themselves as an underdog. Minnesota, Columbus, their rosters aren't great rosters, but they play together because of that mentality of being That's an underdog. The but the, the, the issue with that is that does the city want to buy into that underdog mentality? Does the city want a team that's an underdog team? Never. It worked in 2009. It worked in 2009 with the Canadians when we rolled Jaros Havalak to the conference finals. That team wasn't a good team, but yeah. the city bought into how much of an underdog they were. So the question is, can they do it again? 
how do you become an underdog after what just happened? You just you 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 know that it's thirty one against one, and then you just go from there. In my own opinion, chips goes get Halak. Yeah, okay. get Halak. Sure. Yeah. yeah, sure, buddy. When he comes back, <laughs> when he comes back yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I mean, the 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 you know everyone everyone has a good point and everything, but then it's to see how not just the fans are going to buy it, but are the players going to buy into it as well? Because Nick Suzuki just signed for eleven hundred years. You know, um, you got Cole Caulfield, you know, who's like, who's struggling to keep a full-time job and everything. He's being bounced around all over the place. Yes, I am one of the many that yelled at my TV when I saw him on the fourth line, by the way. Uh, it's like, you play him or you don't, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's one of the two. Now, the other thing as well is Dominic Duchamp. And this is something that flew under the radar. And Josh, I want you to have first dibs on this. Uh, the last question by uh, François Gagnon from, from RDS thrown at Jeff Gordon before the press conference finished was, is Dominic Duchamp finishing the year in Montreal? And he said, yes. And that was it. And then we never heard anything a- about it again. So that means that for the rest of the year, we got Duchamp. I'm guessing because we're still paying Cla- uh, Claude Julien $5 million for the rest of the year. So I'm pretty sure there's like the financial situation that goes with it. But I mean... Is he the guy that's going to stick around or is the, the new GM going to come in being like, no, 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 I'm bringing my own guy. I mean, like what's, I mean, what is the assessment of Dom Duchamp to begin with? Because I, I respect the guy, but I don't have a lot of positive things to say. I don't know, man. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I don't hate that they're keeping him on for the year. You got to remember he's a rookie head coach at this level, at the NHL level. You got to give them some slack. And this team has just lost much. Mark Bergevin did him no favors by taking away the entire leadership core of that team. It it was either by Erie or leaving him free agency, whatever. There's, he's just learning on the job. I think if he's, if it's going down to the next general manager, if they want to keep him or let him go, there's, was enough there in the Stanley Cup playoff run. I think that maybe he has something there against Toronto. He did some great adjustments on the defensive end. This year, it's just totally gotten away from him, and it's just wash for him this year. It's his first year. He could get better. He could stay like this. I think it's just going to be time will tell. Uh, do you guys believe in this? Uh, these rumors that he has lost the respect of all veterans on the team? Or is it just hot media hogwash as usual? People were already saying that in the play- I mean, in the playoff, people were saying that it wasn't him that was coaching the team. It was Weber and Perry who were coaching the team. So that yeah, argument's exactly. been around for a very long time. But I think that fans don't want to believe that just as much as Dominic Ducharme doesn't want to believe that. And I feel like the Canadians need for him to have at least a little bit of control in the room before things can get back on track. I mean, all, we all remember what happened with Jean Perron back in the 80s with the Canadians where he basically <laughs> didn't coach the 86 team that won the Stanley Cup and the players had no respect for him. So yeah. I don't think we really want to repay that. Once again, going back to memories, but it's all we have right now. So <laughs> well, I don't know, guys. I mean, if, if, we're, if we're to have a show behind the bench, I don't mind seeing Patrick Wall behind the bench. I mean, I'd rather see him as coach than the GM. It would be entertaining as heck, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wouldn't be good necessarily. It would be fun. As far as far as Dushan goes, like my concern this season isn't like has nothing to do with his systems, has nothing to do with the results. It's purely like how he's actually handling the players because it's it's really frustrating to watch because this is very clearly already a lost season. Like like the Habs are not making the playoff, and that's obvious, right? If you're in a lost season, you just go with the young players. You're in, like, like playing Cole Caulfield 10 minutes a night, playing Matthias Norlander eight minutes a night. It's ridiculous. Like, like what, is, what is the point of, of riding? Like, like, okay, riding Ben Sherratt 30 minutes a night, I can see the point of in terms of like upping his trade value. But like, it, apart from that, like, why are you giving all the veterans all the ice time? And whenever a young player makes one mistake, you bench them, whereas when a veteran makes the same mistake, they go, they're right out there the next shift. I That's just so been, frustrating to me. Yeah. Been tagging, uh, I think Montreal's been tagging Coffee with that same issue that Lars Elder had as well, just bouncing around the lineup and not finding a consistent role for him. And the one thing Cole Caulfield needs is a consistent role to get his confidence up to get yeah. used to the NHL. Like, with, with, with Caulfield, the obvious thing is power play time. They had a totally. five on three the other day. He didn't the touch the ice. 
Yeah, but you he can touch the ice, and you can see in the power play though. You can see in the power play how good he could be with his passing and, like, and things like that. Exactly. Like we saw how good the power play unit was in that game of him, Suzuki, Paling, even Weidman, Weidman yeah. uh, and Toffoli, right? And and but Caulfield was like the key cog in there of moving the puck around from the half wall. He was doing great. You get a five on three. It's like, oh, we scored on the last one because Caulfield was moving the puck around well. Let's not play him for a single second on a five on three. That's genius. And also, just a quick note, uh, Chips, uh, you, you're not you're not a big fan of uh, players uh, becoming coaches. Uh, you were saying, eh? actually wanting me to talk yeah no it's like every time i every time i think of a team hiring like a like a former player coach i look at gresky in arizona it's it just didn't go well it was that one year wasn't it and then he was out three years great player three years. not not a great well great player coaching a very 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 bad team so it's not really it was yeah, there's, a a lot, hell. there's a lot of uh of uh stories about the great players we can call him Maurice mm-hmm. Richard was another one of those them. were the Arizona Cody teams where Mike Johnston and Zach Bjork were their top two players so you have yes. to consider that a little bit hey but Mike Johnston great on the mic though I mean I'm not, I like he's so entertaining on TSN I'll tell you that man all right so we're gonna go and move on to something else uh, let's uh, play a little jingle introducing uh some pros- the prospect heroes. So let's talk prospects, my friends. The prospect heroes, Scott and Sebastian, on puck and roll. So uh, Joshua Rosa, he just uh, heard that we're talking about prospect and he bailed on us. So uh, I'll see you later, Josh. Scott Cowan and Sebastian High. <laughs> Let's talk prospects, my friend. I mean, oh, Jesus. I know, Sebastian, you've been seeing a lot of games lately uh, yeah. during a little uh, time off that we had. Scott, I know you have a lot to talk about as well. So the floor is yours, guys. Who do, who do you guys want to talk first? about? I mean, the Montreal Let's Canadiens go. have been having some fantastic prospects this year playing all over the junior leagues. I mean, we can point to Joshua Wall. We can I was just going to say, let's talk, about, let's talk about Wall first, man. What's, well, your, what's your opinion? Wall has been a incredible 100% turnaround. It's been yep. fantastic. And I think the main issue that Joshua Wall had which is a lot of people will wonder about what happened with this guy. He was the first overall pick in the QMJHL draft, and then the Canadians got him in the fifth round. What happened? It was work ethic, and Wah finally found his work ethic. And now that he has his work ethic, I think the sky's the limit, in my opinion, for this guy's development. He has 45 points in 24 games, one of the top scorers in the QMJHL. He might be the top scorer in the QMJHL. I can check up on that. But, yeah, I think it's, he's really it's, just It's good. him and Simono. I think he's first and okay. second. Yeah. Well, it's just great to see these two prospects just living up to the potential, and it gives me hope for the Canadians' future. But for the moment, the Laval Rocket will just have some more fun players to watch in the next few years. So, lots to look yeah. forward to. Like as far as uh, Joshua Wild goes, I like him. I I would I would hit the brakes a little bit on the hype because some people are saying like uh, like I, I saw Byron Bader on Twitter say that he's like the second best prospect in the Habs system behind. I will Cole agree Caulfield. that he is still a fifth round pick at the end of the day. Yes. He's a, look, okay, <laughs> the point production is great. At the same time, a lot of players produce a lot of points in junior and don't translate it, right? Like, I, I've liked a lot of what I've seen from Joshua Hua. There is a lot more work ethic. His, his shot, he's actually getting to use a lot more than he was last season. But, like, I think a good example of, like, what might inflate his, uh, his, his point production was, like, did, did you guys see the overtime goal he scored yesterday? On Twitter? Anyways, he, he, he scored yeah, yeah, an yeah. overtime winner against Shawinigan. Mm-hmm. He was he was given a lot of space to just walk in on the goalie and he put he put a little quick stick handle and put it five hole and an NHL goalie would have stopped that an NHL defender would have blocked his way there right like there's there's all these things too about like it maybe not looking 100 translatable that like I like he's doing as well as he possibly can in the queue and that's awesome. Well, I think it's still points. I have a bit more, I, have, I have more concerns about like the translation to pro. But he's sure. doing great, and it's fun to watch. But just having that work ethic there, I think, will be important. Oh, for sure. Well, for sure. It's, it, it's definitely raising his floor. Like, mm-hmm. like, even if he doesn't end up being a top six player, him adding a work ethic gives him that insurance policy of maybe being a contributor on a third or fourth line, which is great to see. And if I could furl the floor to a contributor on the third or fourth line really quick, he's playing for Laval at the moment. I'd want to talk about Jesse Olin, Jesse Olin really quick, because he's had a fantastic start to his season in Laval. 14 points in 17 games and a minus three rating. I think it'll be interesting to see whether Montreal will give him a shot later on down the line, especially since they just cut up Laurent Dauphin, who's also been excellent for the Rocket this season. 
I want. I also want to mention uh, someone who's been lighting it up recently in the ECHL with our Trois Rivières Lyon, uh, Peter Abandonado. Yes. Crying out loud, it's like five goals and eight po- and eight points in two games or something. Like the guy has been lighting it up. Like he has something. Um, 23 points in 17 games with 11 goals and everything. He's just been red hot. Abandonado was a very talented player when he got called up in the brief since he played in the AHL of Syracuse. He's always a really good player. And the thing about the Leon that's great is that the guys who they signed to score are doing just that. Olivier Archambault took a year off and he's right back to being his usual point per game self. So, Oh, exactly. And, and, I, th- and I think the cool thing is that, you know, the Trois Rivières is actually doing exactly what we expected from them, right? I mean, they they're taking the third string players. They made they made they build they build a team to the image of the city to begin with, you know how, and they they have an amazing system. They're high energy, entertaining hockey. Um, I mean, I would love to be able to like to go to go and watch a game for for that matter. I mean, it, apparently it's like the, the arena has been rocking as well. So the first goal, it was ridiculous. The celebration that occurred, it was like, yeah. the, I was winning the Stanley cup. It's amazing. I think the one thing that 12 of the years been missing as a city as a hockey team. And it's great to see the fans uh, embracing this team so much. There you go. Exactly. So, and then on, and on that note, um, I, let's tie in a little bit about the big kaboom. Where's the kaboom. There was supposed to be an earth shattering kaboom. <laughs> yeah. That we're hoping. Um, unless something happens, you know, and we're lucky and everything. I mean, uh, Arizona's probably going to end up picking first, you know, like cue all the lottery. You never know. I was just going to say that. I mean, cue all the conspiracy theorists because of the, of the rumors that they're moving and everything. And they're the interest yeah. going to Shane Wright nah. on the platter. But are we starting to dream about Shane Wright a little bit more? I, th- I think okay okay but Why also you- sebastian sebastian before before you answer that um since you've been seeing a lot of games is shane right living up to still living up to the hype depends what you qualify as the hype it, it it all depends on what what you think shane Wright is if you think he's a nice conor mcdavid of offensive dynamo who dominates every game he's not that like he, he's not he has a terrific shot he's a he's a weapon on the power play because of his one-timer like it's like he, he's a right shot put him in the OB spot and it's really dangerous. Like he, he can, he can really rip it. Um, his wrister is dangerous, but he's, he's a really very, he's a highly intelligent two-way player. He's great in the defensive zone. He is, he is like a very, very good first line centerman. I would, I would like in terms of NHL comparables, my mind would kind of go to like an Andre Kopitar in, in that, in that mold rather than like a Crosby or McDavid. So it all depends on your expectations what I'm really happy about this year with like the Habs not doing so great is that I think there are a lot of other players that are pretty close to Shane Wright in that tier. Like Matthew Savoy has been incredible in totally. WHL. He's been so dynamic. He's been amazing. Uh, David Yurichek is lighting it up in Europe as a defenseman. He's doing amazing against pro competition. Uh, you look at uh, Joaquim Kamel. He has, he, he's setting records for goal scoring in the Liga as a 17-year-old. He's doing incredibly. Brad Lambert is going to fall way further than he should. Like he, he's probably going to fall into the teens, which is ridiculous considering his talent level, but it's because he hasn't been producing points despite like doing good things out on the ice as a centerman. And he's incredible in transition. There are all these great players that like, it's not, it's, it's not like a, there's Shane Wright. Then there's like 20 yes. meters and there's everyone else. Yes. It's a lot tighter than that. So it's not about winning the lottery for number one. It's about being in that top five. I think if you're in the top five, you're pretty golden. Yeah, because if you remember, um, well, I was going to say a couple episodes ago, which has been a while now. So that's why it's so good to be back after this month-long break. Uh, We had a prospect episode. And we were talking about how deep this draft is, right? So if it's not Shane Wright, I mean consolation price might actually end up being better. Am I right? Well, I think we can always point to the fact that playing in the men's league is incredibly, incredibly beneficial to someone until players develop them. Just look at Tim Stitchell. Just look at Norlander. Norlander has adapted well to the NHL and the AHL to us far because he was playing with players who have experience over being the NHL over being overseas. Having that experience is always really essential. And while Shane Wright doesn't have that quite yet, I still think he's a super talented player. And I think to go back to it really quick, the one, well, the one point that he has is that he has those face value statistics that make him an impressive player. He was named captain of his team at 16 years old. He was an exceptional status player. Things like that just help bring him along and help him stand out and show why he is such a highly valued prospect in the first place. Like, I think the player to keep an eye on this year 
even ahead of Shane Wright is Matthew Savoy. Totally. Like he, he is because he, okay, he's a player that there's a possibility of him dropping to like fifth overall because he is undersized. Like he, he's like five foot nine as a centerman and teams are going to let him fall because of that. And he, I think if you look at like absolute ceiling of players, his might be higher than Shane Rice. Like it's, it's tight, but he is so talented. He's so dynamic. His skating ability is one of the best in the entire draft. He's incredibly quick. He has a great shot. He's a, he can play, he can construct plays brilliantly. I like him a lot. Also playing in a defensive with the, with the WHL will just make him better at, at two aspects of his game anyway. So. He's also, also playing on the Winnipeg Ice, which is by far the best team in the entire yes. league, which mm. is a caveat there. It does make things easier. But he's been the best player on the best team in the league. So that me, also means something. Let me tie into something that uh, Scott uh, mentioned just earlier. Um, and I was glad because I wanted to talk to him as well. You were mentioning uh, Matthias Norlander. Yes. Uh, and Josh, if you want to chime in on this, I know, like, you know, since he's in the NHL and everything, I'm curious to see now that we've seen him, you know, a little bit more, uh, if his uh, potential is still, if his ceiling is really that high after what we've seen, I think he's, he, he still has the, the potential of being a phenomenal player. Um, I just think he's being used poorly, which is, you know, the theme of the year and everything. But uh, I'm going to second that one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so what do we do? Do we do, should he stick around, send him to Laval, or send him back to Europe at this point? I mean, like, what, where where is he at in his de- in his development? Can I just say he, he can't actually play in Laval because of the, the agreement between the yes. SHL and the oh, NHL. it's true. Okay, thank, thanks, Sebastian. You're right. But I think I in terms of his role in the roster, Montreal should just feel things out with him. Do I think he should be getting Otto Leskin in esque minutes? No, but I still feel no. like he's a player who Montreal can feel out, see where he belongs in the lineup, and just keep giving him minutes and keep giving him experience because experience is something that he had a plentiful amount of when he's playing for Ferland HC. I mean, he had Max Freeberg, he had Joel Lundqvist, he had a bunch of really talented players on his team. So that only helped him more down the line. And I think it's he's a player that Montreal should look into just utilizing more yeah i mean josh i mean uh, let me let me uh ask you the, the, the question i mean technically on the depth chart he's under petrie weidman and savard i mean at this point i mean you just been like okay you don't belong that low on the depth chart and you should just push out a veteran or okay at this point just go play 25 minutes a night in, in europe just buy out david savard <laughs> or buy out david savard yeah josh what do you think i uh, he feels fill really important hole for Montreal it's just that more offensively minded defenseman especially because Petrie has been absolutely awful this year and he's understatement he's, of the year yeah. it's been yeah, heartbreaking oh my. it really has so really. It, he I okay with keeping him on the team as he fills that role keeping him in more sheltered minutes bringing him up on the power play, making him understand that it's okay to make those mistakes to kind of just be loose and know that the games don't really matter too much because this is pretty much a lost season and just go out there and have fun and gain experience and come back next year better than ever. Yeah. Can I, can I just add, I, I really think that um, Norlander should be sent back to Europe, especially now with like the claiming of uh, Kale Clegg. So, yeah, like I, I there, there's, there's no point at this point. He's playing eight minutes a night. Sushan is showing no desire to play him. Send him back to Sweden. Sweden, give him minutes, and just let him develop because this is not helping him let's, at all, uh, in my opinion. Let's talk about Cal Clay for a second, uh, Sebastian, especially with you because you, um, you know a little bit more about about him. Not. Okay, he's not a prospect per se at 23 years old and everything, but he still he still has potent he still has potential, especially as you know an offensive minded defenseman. Am I right? For sure, I I think I think I mean, look, he's put up 11 assists in 33 NHL games. That's a point every three games. That's pretty solid, right? Like, especially for someone who's now been waived twice as a 23 year old puck moving defenseman. Um, I also think that like, a lot of people are calling like his defense to be really like like shaky and not reliable in any way which i disagree with like from what i've seen which has been a a solid handful of games of his he's looked always pretty solid in his own zone like he's not a defensive stalwart but he he gets the job done like he's not a liability and i like his offensive tools he's a great skater he can run a power play unit which the habs desperately need 
and he should actually get because whenever he, he, he only played 11 games in LA this year, but when he was playing, he was always on a power play unit. So I believe of all LA defensemen, at least as of a couple of days ago, he had the second most uh, power play minutes. So he plays on the power play and yeah, he, he's young. He moves the puck. Uh, he's a good passer, good in transition, and he complements forwards very well, which is something that the Habs really need. I think him and Weidman will definitely be a fun duo to watch, especially if they pair them up on the power play. And also Weidman's a more veteran guy who fits into a similar role that he does. So I think it's just a good all-around move for the Habs, it's, uh, in my own opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and to be honest, I was I was surprised when he got waived uh, because, I mean, I know I know it's because the reason behind it was it was it was due to the return of Drew Doughty that seems to be uh, imminent. But I mean, out of all people, and you would think he would stick around. And so either where there's something that we don't know, and he really is a defensive liability, or it's just hey, it's a hockey decision, and we need to just uh, stick with that. The LA defensive core is really interesting because um, with Drew Doughty, with Drew Doughty coming back now, like the, the the real options for waiver for waivers were Mikey Anderson, who is a year younger than Kale Clegg. Yeah, Clegg and Olimata, who's on a big contract, but it still has a lot of NHL experience. So it was a bit of a tough one because there wasn't really an option there for LA to like, like not lose a fairly valuable piece. Uh, I think the mm. bigger question was like earlier on the season, or like why do you call him up and risk losing him again? But um, yeah, it's it, it, a bit of a weird situation. But I'm just happy that, that the Habs got him because I think he's going to be. A pretty interesting player. Yeah, but, I mean, personally, I would probably send on someone like Matt Roy or something. But I mean, whatever. I guess his contribution. He's been, he's been pretty good. He's been pretty, he's been pretty good. Exactly. So, but anyway, we're not here to talk about LA. We're here to about talk about Montreal. And speaking of talking about Montreal, it's time for one of our favorite segments on the show. And believe it or not, the man came prepared. Even a month later, Joshua Rosa on this day in history. Take it away, sir. Dateline, December 6th, on this day, year of our Lord, 2019, the Alaskan Awe, the rock-solid anchor from Anchorage, Alaska, Nate Thompson, scored the game-winning goal game against the New York Rangers with just a minute, nine seconds left in the third period, giving the Canadians a two-to-one win. This is significant because it is the first time the Rangers have given up a game-winning goal in the last 90 seconds of a hockey game against Montreal since the NHL expanded in 1967. Also today, former Canadian Aurelia Napoleon Bunny Dame was born December 6, 1913. His time with Montreal was short, one season of 34 games in 1941-942, where he scored two goals at seven points. However, as a member of the Trail Smoke Eaters, Bunny Dame won the World Hockey Championship in 1939. He scored eight goals in seven games, and his team dominated the tournament, and they allowed just one goal against the Czech Republic. And this last bit isn't directly at all Montreal Canadiens related, but it's one of my favorite little weirds in the NHL. For... The people who don't know, the way that goaltending wins work is pretty much the goaltender that's on the ice when the game-winning goal is scored gets the win or the loss. So, on December 6, 2011, goaltender Mike Murphy relieves Cam Ward as Carolina Hurricanes were losing 6-3 against the Calgary Flames. Hurricanes scored one goal. Murphy made a couple of saves before he was pulled to bring out the extra attacker. And then Jerome McGinley scored an better to make the score 7-4. to four. It gets interesting when the Carolina Hurricanes score two goals in the final minute to make it 7-6. So, the game-winning goal was scored by Jerome McGinley on Mike Murphy. However, because it was an empty net goal, it doesn't really affect his save percentage or goals against average since he couldn't do anything. He was off the ice, but he gets counted as the lost. So 
He plays one more NHL game, stops all the shots in that game in relief of Cam Ward, ends his NHL career with a perfect 1.00 save percentage and zero goals against average and just one loss and no wins. The most random stat ever because it makes no sense. Exactly. Most like it, ever. <laughs> yeah, but like if the stat makes no sense, right? Like how can you <laughs> allow zero goals and have a losing record, right? You know? Like it's insane. That is ridiculous, man. I mean, tie game. <laughs> everyone's uh, everyone's uh, listening, researching that could be for tonight is a bunny dame. Look, look that bunny dame. <laughs> I was like, who? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say it. I'm I'm gonna. Um, on this day, I mentioned it in the beginning of the show. I will say it, but I will say something before that, okay? And our, my friend Chips, who's sitting beside me, is probably going to look at me being like, what? On this day in history, but not on December 6th, maybe sometime in September or even November, the Montreal Canadiens had an agreement with the Colorado Avalanche to send Patrick Croix in ret- to the Colorado Avalanche in return for Stéphane Fizet, Owen Nolan, and Peter Forsberg. The trade was ultimately nixed by President Renato Coffey, saying, you don't do that, da, 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 da. and then this was the time that uh, General Manager Serge Chabard uh, got fired. And then Réjaoul came in, and on this day, December 6, 1995, the Montreal Canadiens traded Patrick Roy and Mike Keane to the Colorado Avalanche for Justin Thibault, Martin Rudzinski, and Andre Kovalenko. Oh, what a different... So much better than Peter Forsberg and Owen yeah, Owen, totally. right? So, can you imagine that our top three centermans would have been Peter Forsberg, Pierre Turgeon, and Vincent Danfoss? Uh, yeah, yeah, eventually we traded Turgeon, but yeah. <laughs> so, um, moving on, guys. <laughs> on that cheerful note. On that cheerful note. <laughs> Bring me down, Kenyon. Bring me down, the love is too high. Bring me down, Kenyon. Bring me down, I said, On that fun note, it's now time for the final segment of the night or day, depending on what time you're listening this at. Uh, before uh, we get in, uh, Chips uh, handed me 
his phone over in celebration of Alain Vigneault and uh, Michel Therrien losing their jobs. This is a, uh, a tweet from uh, someone at NBC. And it says, some Philly police pups, dogs, were barking at the avalanche's JT Comfort uh, while he was rehab skating. You're like my personal cheerleader, Comfort said. Comfort greeted them afterward, and one of the pups did his business right at the center of the Flyers logo. Stuff happens, I guess. On that note, <laughs> let's do a little bit of rapid fire, shall we? This is going to be fun. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. Before, whoa. before that, can I, what? Can, I just, what? can I just speak to Josh's stat that he said he the eighth coaching change in Rista Linen's nine years in the NHL? Whoa. <laughs> what? That's- I saw that it on a tweet bad. earlier today. Is, I can't verify it, but welcome to Buffalo. I, I, I can believe it. If, <laughs> if that, if that, if that's true, that is um, that's that's painful. Buffalo for you. I mean, that's we, Buffalo. We all, Buffalo. We, don't, we don't know where they are right now. And, and it's just rest aligned for you, but yeah. Oh my goodness! And this okay. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, the thunder of the night goes to Joshua Rosa, man. Like, wow. Fun you don't stats. have to remember that the Habs aren't in, aren't in the worst situation in the NHL. Exactly. Teams worse than us. Okay, so this is how we're going to do the last segment, guys. I'm going to name a player, and you're each going to take a turn, and please keep it to a minimum. Thumbs up or thumbs down, and why? All right, Sebastian, hi. You're first. Alexander Romanov. Thumbs up, thumbs, thumbs up. up. Thumbs up, easy one. I... I I think ever since he's been scratched, so like early November, he's been fantastic. I, I've loved watching him play. He's been the most dynamic defenseman on the team ever since that that time, and he's being re- rewarded for it, unlike the other youngsters on the team. He's getting ice time now. He played, I think, 24 minutes against Nashville. He's playing He's playing a lot, and he's playing well. Like He's, he's showing that he's a top-four defenseman in the league. If he can continue this stretch, right? Again, it's, 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 not, it's been like, what, a month? you can't judge everything on a single month, but he's been really fun. And I, yeah, I've liked him. He's been great defensively and just spraying the play from the, defense, from the defensive zone really well. He hasn't been the most implicate in the offensive zone, but that can still come with time. He's just been really, really good recently. Scott Cowan. Yeah, I would definitely give Roman a, thumb, a thumbs up as well. I think he's been very, very solid since, as Sebastian mentioned, the healthy scratch period. And he's just looked com- as confident as he did when he first started with the Canadians. He's been moving the puck well. He's been not afraid to go for the big hit. And he's bringing that youthful energy that the Habs need to have in the lineup right now, especially if all the young players are dressing. They need these guys to play big, and they need these guys to play like every game is going to be their last. And that's how Roman has been playing, and it's just been excellent to see. Joshua Rosa. Big thumbs up. It's been one of the most fun guys to watch this year so far after that whole scratching incident. Like he's if you watch him play, he's just a joy to watch this year so far. All right, that was the warm-up round. Sebastian, Jake Allen. Oh, can I give three thumbs up here? He nice. he's he's been the best player on the team this year. I I don't think it's there's too much debate there. He he's been the best player, and I don't really think it's been too close. He has been <laughs> dominant in a lot of games. Of course, he's been caved in a couple times, but look at the defensive core as a whole. Like, obviously, you're going to get caved in. Against Pittsburgh, he was incredible. He had a massive shutout early in the season, I think, against Anaheim or San Jose. Uh, and, yeah, he's just been great. Against Nashville, he, he deserved the win single-handedly. He was incredible. Like, he, he's had so many great performances, and... Yeah, I, I, I really want him to stick around with the team. Uh, like, I think there's, there's a chance that he gets traded at the deadline uh, to a contender. But goalies rarely ever get first-round draft picks until you, unless you're named, like, Darcy Kemper. So I, I just don't think that losing him will be worthwhile because, again, he's, he's making, what, $2.875 million a year. And he's been the best player on the team. He's been amazing. Wow. Scott. <clears throat> Sorry, Scott. Yeah, I give I give Alan a thumbs up. I just it's, it's been unfortunate how much he's been thrown to the wolves some nights with the Canadians, especially of how well he's been trying to play. I mean, Alan's not a starting goalie anymore, but with the shots he's facing, it seems like Montreal's forgotten about that, and they still think he can be that big sixty minute sixty game guy he used to be in St. Louis. And it's a shame. I definitely think Alan's been playing well. He's been giving it his all, and he's still shown glimpses of that once really talented goalie he was. But he's a guy who needs to have a night off every now and then. And unfortunately, Samuel Montembeau and Keenan Primo haven't been consistent enough to be able to give him that night off. Montembeau's look shaky. Primo's look shaky. So Alan's given the Canes reliability in that. 
on nights when they were, and he's won games for them that they really shouldn't have won. So for that, I got to give him a thumbs up. Josh. Un out to dry. That's been his season so far. He's been getting shelled. He's been getting destroyed coming in. Big thumbs up. He, I think either shut out or close shut out San Jose earlier in the year when he was yo-yoing five goals, zero goals, five goals, zero goals. But he's been great. He's been completely left out to dry by the defense. They've been terrible in front of him, and he can't really do much more. And with Montembeau not providing really any help, he's on his own in the crease, and he's been doing the best that he has been the best at. Best at just trying to stop the puck, I guess. <laughs> A little muting <laughs> issues here. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's just been... It's like, you can't ask any more of what he's given to the Habs so far this year. And it's sad to see his stats go down when he really deserves so much more. Okay, I'm going to go with someone else. I swear to God, guys, if you spend more than 30 seconds complaining about him, I'm turning the show off. Okay, I'm gonna say yeah, I'm gonna say it. Chips is like, please don't say it, please don't say it. I'm gonna say it. David Saval, make it quick. Come on. <laughs> I think he's been less bad than what other people think he's been. Oh, you're I just think... being polite. No, 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 no. Okay, I'm gonna put it this way. His PDO has been pretty bad. He's gotten <laughs> poor poor luck in terms of uh like save percentage versus shooting percentage, which makes him look worse than he's been. I he hasn't been good, no, but like he hasn't been absolutely atrocious he should not be making that much money for four more years but it's fine we're going to rebuild we're going to have cast space i'm not overly worried <laughs> scott man oh man you, this is going to be good <laughs> i have to i have to give Savard a thumbs down unfortunately i mean i would have really liked to give him a thumbs up and i think that there is reason to be excited about him when he was coming to montreal but in the same way there is reason to be excited about carl osner and look how that turned out now i'm not saying that david Savard is going to be carl osner i really hope he isn't going to be carl osner. <laughs> I we sincerely don't, hope we don't not. want to have to deal with that again but there's just been so many issues about Savard getting this frustrating. And as I mentioned during the break, he jumps up in the play when it's obvious that he can't skate to get back into the play. So just he hasn't been sticking to his role, which is really annoying when you're paying him for a very, very specific role that he just hasn't fulfilled thus far. <laughs> uh, Josh, before before <laughs> uh, before you mention, I just want to point out a, a tweet from 48 hours ago uh, that states, um, well, that was a Sherrod Savard masterclass. Aren't they meant to be good at clearing the net front area? Said that was mine. Said Sebastian. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 I hate them together. I, I'm not going to hide that. They need a puck mover each to compliment them. But yeah, that that was painful. Chips, like, is look, Chips is looking at me being like, we need PK Subban. I'm like, get out of here, man. You're off the show. No, You're off the force, uh, Chips. <laughs> that goal was so painful to watch because they're both there. Oh, man, it was awful. Kind of just like tugging at, at a guy each but not doing anything to clear the net. And then the rebound goes in and it's like, come on, why? Josh. Do I even need to say big thumbs up? No, down. He's been, (laughs) yeah. He's proven in Tampa last year that he's a really good complimentary piece to a good defense. But what's there to compliment with everyone right now? Rod's just running around doing everything and Petrie's been dead on the ice. So like he's there's nothing there. He's not meant to really pull any weight. He's there to compliment the other guys and make sure the puck doesn't go out of his net, but into his net. But he's just feeling there's nothing there. He can't get any consistency has just been bad for people of a certain he, he, he for people of a certain age who might be uh, remembering his shades of yanni ninima so very similar like, like <laughs> savard had Patrick. savard had the best possible situation in tampa last year he's playing on the third pair with mikhail sergachev like oh, <laughs> you're playing man. against the opposition's worst worst players yeah and exactly. you're playing with sergachev like it, it was just ideal Okay, guys, we're going to end the show on a non-Habs-related note. And just just because he is one of my favorite players of all time, and uh, it's non-Habs-related. And Chips, I want your take on this. So I don't care. I don't, don't, don't shake your head at me, man. You're going to be part of this show, whether you like it or not. Okay, okay so, so Alexander Ovechkin. 
Greatest modern day score, yay or nay, Sebastian? Greatest score, point blank. Wow. Scott? I want to say greatest score, point blank, but yeah, there's been nobody close to being as good as Ovechkin can be in this modern generation. Also, Ovechkin can play until we're all dead, for all I know. Ovechkin just has this durability about him that just makes him a wonder to watch. And No one can stop amazing. him on the power play. You put it's a 90-year-old Ovechkin in the OB spot, he's still going to score. I think the most important thing to realize right now is that we're all watching history, and that's the most important oh, yeah. thing to remember of Ovechkin, and it's just exhilarating and fantastic to watch. Josh? I have another Twitter fact that I saw on Twitter that I cannot verify without looking up really quick. In their time active, Ovechkin's number one in goals scored since when he came into the league to now. Second behind him is Sidney Crosby. He has like 260 less goals than Ovechkin. Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. That's just how dominant he's been. He's There's never been a player like it. He makes – he's – hit like over 1300 times it's let's be honest does it all let's take out the uh the coven coven shortened season and the lockout and he would be much closer to gretzky's record than he is now you know chips what man ovi russian machine doesn't break baby i mean didn't he go from 600 goals to 700 in what 50 games (laughs) something like that (laughs) this guy does not stop and it's been a privilege to watch him Yep, it has, and I don't know. The last guy we had uh, score that many goals was Stéphane Richer. You know, that was a, a while ago. So I said, uh, uh, I said in a past episode, Patrick, when Stéphane Richer scored that 50th goal, everything that the Habs, whatever reset tool again yep. went with it. So. That was it. That was it. Anyways, guys, it has been an absolute blast to be back. Uh, I am so happy we're, we're going to be able to do this again on a weekly basis. Um, um behalf of Sebastian High, Scott Cowan, Joshua Rosa, and our good friend Chips Crispinai. This has been another and brand spanking new episode of Puck and Roll. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in. You are obviously a big part of this. We are so excited to have you again next week for another episode. Yeah.